makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power and power. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart, and it's good for all of us to be here. This is First Voices Radio. I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. And I'm Teokasen, Ghost Horse, and this is an all-native hosted 
All Native produced First Voices Radio, now in its 29th year of broadcasting. And Liz Hill is a producer of First Voices Radio. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as for archiving, firstvoicesindigenousradio.org. And you can hear us internationally on Savizar Contemporary in Berlin and Potsdam, Germany. I'd like to bring up two guests that will be appearing together here, Will Falk and Myron Smart, who is a Paiute elder. And Myron is a descendant of Fort McDermott Paiute Shoshone, and he was raised in the traditional ways of his life in in his native culture. And also Will Falk, who is a biophilic uh, writer, lawyer, and author of How Dams Fall, Stories of the Colorado River Told Me, published by Homebaum Publications. He also describes his relationship with the Colorado River through his involvement in the first ever American federal lawsuit seeking rights for a major ecosystem, the Colorado River. And he's published in several thing, several articles, um, in, including Earth Island Journal, and more information about both Myron and Wilk, and the information they're coming uh, on to tell you about is Thacker Pass. Actually, it's protectthackerpass.org. And uh, just like, and if you could Facebook, Facebook like, protect Thacker Pass on Facebook, that would be great. And so I'm here with both these guests here, and I'd like to go to Will Falk first and find out what is the latest in Thacker Pass. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Kyokusin. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of exciting things happening lately. Um, and I know uh, Myron can speak more about this, but uh, we we have really experienced in the last two or three weeks a really um, upswell of support from local communities, and including the Fort McDermott, Paiute, and Shoshone tribe. Um, members of the tribe organized a uh, prayer walk and run uh, last week that concluded up at Thacker Pass on Friday evening. And um, then there was a, a ceremonial fire um, that I think just ended uh, yesterday. Um, but And then there's also uh, in the local settler community of a little town of Orobata and Kings River, uh, Nevada, there's a group that has formed called Thacker Pass Concerned Citizens, uh, and they they have formed because they feel like they haven't gotten any straight answers from Lithium Americas and their American subsidiary, subsidiary Lithium Nevada, about what the mine would actually entail, how how big it will actually be, um, how destructive it will actually be, and um, these folks are forming to to try and get more answers. And it seems like um, the local communities really don't want this mine. They're they're really concerned about. Um, the pollution. They're really concerned about the destruction of the land, um, and and they're and they're starting to mobilize against the mine. And then uh, one of the uh, more another one of the most exciting things that has happened is on Monday morning, uh, Protect Sacker Pass allies in Vancouver, British Columbia, occupied the Lithium Americas headquarters uh, there in Vancouver, and um, delivered another message to the corporation that that people around the world don't don't want this mine um, so 
you know, the word is, is, is really starting to spread about, about what would happen to Thacker Pass. And we're starting to get more and more, um, attention from, from media. And, um, um, this is, this is all good news for the campaign. Will, Will Falk, could you tell us just a background of why you and Max Wilbert showed up in Thacker Pass? Maybe there's information that people are wanting to hear right now. Thacker Pass is is a beautiful mountain pass uh, in northern Nevada that is um, considered sagebrush steppe habitat. There is old growth sagebrush here that um, many of the sagebrush are over a hundred years old. It's some of the best remaining uh, greater sage grouse habitat left on Earth. Greater sage grouse are one of the most endangered species in the American West. Uh, this this is an area where pronghorn antelope move through regularly. There are golden eagles in the hills above Thacker Pass. There is an endangered species of cutthroat trout, the Lahontan cutthroat trout that live in the streams around Thacker Pass. But despite all this, a Canadian mining corporation called Lithium Americas uh, wants to uh, blow up Thacker Pass and put in um, a mine that would be nearly 6,000 square acres. It would be an open pit mine uh, that that is um, used for extracting lithium from the earth here. Uh, it would be, like I said, nearly 6,000 acres, and they would dig 400 feet into the ground, um, and they would uh, systematically strip the, the earth um, from Thacker Pass, and they would cycle that earth through a chemical processing plant um, where they would use sulfuric acid to burn the lithium out of the earth. Um, and they're, they're, they're calling this project green. They're calling this clean energy because the lithium that they would extract uh, would be used for electric car batteries. So, um, yeah, my friend Max Wilbert and I had been following the, sort of the developments of the project. And when the Bureau of Land Management issued its final record of decision permitting the mine on January 15th, uh, we decided that we would come up to Thacker Pass, start a camp uh, to, to draw attention to what was happening, uh, and we we started that camp to really help people understand uh, just what would happen to the land here, to the natural world, trying to get people to fall in love with Thacker Pass. It seems like many people in the United States and around the world um, think of Nevada as kind of this desert landscape where there is no life and nothing could be further from the truth. This is a, is a beautiful land. Um, full of life, full of amazing creatures. Um, and we wanted people to know that um, just because a, a corporation calls calls their project green, um, it still involves mining, it still involves destroying mountainsides, it still involves poisoning uh, water and air and land, it still in, involves uh, really uh, harming local human communities. And um, we, we felt like the camp would be a good way to really show people that that was happening. Myron Smart, can you tell us your involvement as far as uh, the Shoshone and Paiute are involved and you being a Paiute uh, elder? And what does this mean to find uh, the information that Will and uh, 
and Max have come up with, and how did you get informed about all of this? I, <clears throat> excuse me, I was informed by uh, Dylan Hinky. I saw him one day down here by the tribal facilities, and he um, he was putting up a poster, something about Aborigine. Don't forget your Aborigine rights. So I drove by and I looked looked at that and looked at that sign that he had was putting up. And then I came came up to my house for a second or so. Then I was thinking, you know, I got here. I was thinking, what what you know what what is this all about? So I drove back down there. And I started to talk to him, and that's how I got my information of what was going on. And that's where it all started. You know, it kind of, kind of just like drew me right into whatever you know my elders used to talk about, like way back in time. You know, because of how the way that I seen, I seen what the minds was doing. You know, it's not you know it's not all the time that you get this offer from you know anybody. Like especially like this uh, Nevada gold mine, and you know they offered to pay for people's power, and you know they 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 paid for my power last year, but then this year they told me I was on my own. You know the, the tribal council from down here, and then therefore I was thinking, okay, what well, there there must be something. You know these people are after. There's there's you know always there's always always a, a catch to behind everything that a white man does to an Indian is the way that my, my, my parents and my grandparents used to talk about that. He says, so you be careful, you watch, you know, don't, don't jump to conclusion, you know, just, just watch. And then sooner or later, you know, all of this will come out. So now, now everything is all, ex- all exposed to from what, what, from what I was told like way back in time by my grandparents and, you know, my parents. So I'm therefore that's how he got me involved and you know I've been really wanting to practice my Native American religious rights and you know my um you know all of all of the rights that I have out there you know that that I feel that I still do have regardless you know how the way they kind of separate everybody like from they you know for, to my belief or how the way I should put it is like, you know, this land still belongs to me. I've never have got any, any kind of money from the government in what way whatsoever. So I feel that I, that I still do have my rights out there. My, Myron Smart, um, you, you do know, do you know of any cultural sites in that area where the mine is or in that might, the mine might endanger? Yes, there is. There, that, that whole site is that way. To the west of where the camp is, that ridge, there's a place called Double H Way. I don't know. I may, maybe might be 20 miles, maybe not even that down down from where the camp is across the canyon over on top of that ridge. There is a big site there. There's they, they there's like a big obsidian obsidian quarry up there that I can remember and that I was told about. And then back in time, too, at the same time, you know, I've, I've been around, I've, you know, my 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 uh, my elders or my dad used to take me out there. And then at the same time, I used to work for the ranch down there, River Ranch, and another ranch way down below, further down 
So they used to use all of that country up there. So there is sites up there, you know, cultural sites. And, you know, not only that is that they have these um, sage grouse that, that are out there. And then they migrate through all of that. You know, they're, they're all over that hillside and then back over there towards Stacker Pass. And, you know, the, the antelope, the same way. They stay in that valley over there by uh, King's River, just, just down on the other side of where Thacker passes. They migrate, so they they pass through there. And then same way with the deer. You know, the, the deers are there. And then on on to the north side of where Thacker passes, there is some sites out there, too. There are some burial sites out there. People talk about it. Our, our old people used to always talk about those things. Be careful. You know, be careful out there when you're doing things. You know, be tr- try not to bother anything. Try not to disturb anything. You know, just leave things alone and just watch. And maybe one day you'll you'll see. Maybe one day that you're gonna, you know, feel those things come to you. So, <clears throat> therefore, there is like there is a big site out there, and that uh, the site was way back in time. What happened out there is they. They call that place uh, in Paiute, it's called Pihimaha. So the pur- the purpose of that is why there was a, a family of Paiute people. That's when, when the government started the first, and they gave us these names. And anyway, what happened was this family, a big family or, or, or a tribe that, or the Paiute people that was out there, according to what the story was, that, that a whole family was killed out there while the men went over the mountains to go hunt and that this family was killed this uh, like a village oh I, I can't say how much they said there was but it was, they had a village there so the men went out and the warriors they went to go hunt and what happened was during during the during the daytime while they were out hunting they came they came back the hunters came back maybe a day or so later and they seen their family that next morning, you know, they, they seen their family murdered, you know, killed women and children and everybody, elders, you know, they, they were all killed. And what happened was that they split them open and, you know, pulled their, pulled it open like how you would when you're undressing a deer. So they took the, the stomach, the guts out, and they had them wrapped up all over the sagebrush. So that's why they called it Pihimaha. And then at that time, too, the Muha, Muha means moon. So, so, so therefore, it was like a full moon. So they gave that name there, Pihimaha. And in, in, if you translate, translate it into English, it's called Rotten Moon because of, you know, the destruction of that village that was there. So that's that's out there. You know, they they were just left out there. I, nobody, I don't think anybody else knows about it, just a few of the elders from out here. So this unwritten history you're talking about, Myron, that is the balance of the eco and the, frag, uh, the ecosystem and the, the fragile ecosystem out there that is part of, like Will, Will Falk uh, described, the old growth sage, mm-hmm. and in the sage, you find. Do you find the medicines, and do you find the people still using the land where this mine is being proposed? Yes, yes. There, in fact, that I was walking around up there the other day, and then I happened to run across some some stuff that we use, like for you know for bad spirits and things. So I picked I picked like you know a couple. You know, just a couple of like like little pieces, just enough for me to use. But there is like uh, like like if you climb up that that ridge that's behind 
for the camp is if you walk around up there, I'm sure that you find these different sorts of medicines for different things out there. And there, there is, you know, all of this that's out there. And has has the the tribal administration of Fort McDermott Paiushoshone tribe come forward with any thoughts on what is going on uh, with the mining yet? <laughs> oh, they're all for it, but there's just a few of us. I mean, I shouldn't say a few. You know, they they have been doing this. Uh, they've been doing like a closed behind doors meeting and they don't they don't try to get out to the com- community to get in touch with everybody and talk about what's going on up there you know it seems like they're blindfolded by something or by somebody and you know the the tribal chairman the tribal vice chairman the whole council to me the way they talk the way they act like you know whenever that we talk to them it's like you know you know, do do what you can. You know, we're it's like we're on two separate um, two separate pages, or either two different boats. There's the people that are not for it, and then it's like the whole council. You know, seems like the way they talk is, you know, they're all for it. And um, Will Falk, when when you have involved the native people, you know, is it a certain generation or a younger generation, or is it all all ages? We've there have been all all ages um, that that have come out and and talked with us. Um, I think that um, one of the one of the per- first people that that uh, we talked to was a young woman named Duranda Hinky, who um, you know she found out about what was going on. I think she's she's probably twenty three or twenty four, and um, I think that. You know, it's it's a, a lot of a, a lot of what's happened has been through her spreading the word, um, and um, but then, you know, so so there's there's that element of young people, but then, um, you know, we've we've had elders come up just about every day um, and bring us uh, bring us food and make sure that we have things, and um, it it really it really feels like um, from the from the Fort McDermott community that it's it's everyone you know there's there's little kids running around asking questions about the past you know kind of watching how how we're doing things um and then you know there's there's young people in in their teens and 20s that are involved and then um you know there are the elders that are involved and and you know as as a settler it's really humbling to see um you know i feel like there's not there's not very many white elders that are really involved in these things, and to see the elders from the Fort McDermott community, um, you know, despite you know, despite every everything, the economic hardships, the the you know, the COVID nineteen stuff, um, it's it's been really humbling to see the way the Fort McDermott community has really um, come to to support and rally around the camp. When the BLM or the Bureau of Land Management came out there, what was the concern that they came out there for, and what would the camp be concerned about if if they take the tactics of intimidation? Yeah, they. Um, so the Bureau of Land Management has a 14 uh, day camping limit rule, 
where people are only allowed to occupy one site on public land for 14 days uh, before they have to leave for another 14 days. Um, so uh, after Max and I were, were at the camp for three or four days, uh, three BLM officers came up and um, they have a they have a territory, a jurisdiction to monitor that is bigger than the state of Delaware. So for these um, BLM officers to come up after we've only been there for three or four days and tell us about that 14-day camping limit, um, it seems to us like they had to have been told by the corporation that we were up here. Um, and it just doesn't seem like a, a chance event that they would have come all the way up. They're, they're headquartered in Winnemucca, so they had to come from 70 miles away to come find us. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're saying that they want to limit impacts on the land, and that's why we can only be here for 14 days at a time. Um, but they're saying this about land that they, their agency themselves has um, permitted to, to, like I said, blow up. They're, they're concerned about the impact that a few of us are going to have on this place um, when their, their own uh, permits are going to allow this whole place to be, to be destroyed. Um, and it's also, you know, we've also heard that one of the main reasons that they have this 14-day limit is is to keep uh, Native people from returning to some of their traditional sites and, and staying there. Um, so there's a really, um, I, I think there's a really evil colonial thing going on um, with that 14-day camping limit. And it seems to me to be... Um, you know, just really horrible that BLM would try to enforce that against um, Native people, you know, returning to their traditional sites and, you know, performing ceremonies on lands that they've performed ceremonies on for, for time immemorial. Um, so it is, like you said, an intimidation tactic. They don't want this camp to really take off. They don't want to see something like another Standing Rock in Nevada, Um and and they're they're using this sort of poor excuse of a 14-day camping limit to to try and um, make it hard for us to do so. Myron Smart, do you have any thoughts as we close out here um, about what what will happen with you and and maybe the younger people that that are that Will is talking about? You know, I'm I'm going to stand stand up for what I feel. That, that that we have started here because like I like I said that I do feel that we do have the rights to stand there and then also at the same time like you know there's there's these eagles that are out there they, about a day ago or so maybe like the third the third day that I was up there or since Friday I think it was like Sunday morning or Monday morning I was sitting there this uh, eagle come by. We were sitting around the fire like like we had this uh, when we did this prayer walk and run, and then when we got to the camp and that evening we started that fire. So the the day the day that next day <clears throat> we were sitting around there, and this eagle happened to come by there, and then you know that was like you know to me I felt something really very strong that's out there, and that's really powerful and. You know, the things, the prayers that, that we all did, I included everybody that was out there. So we all made prayers and we all made our, you know, offerings to the Creator and the Mother Earth. 
So, you know, I we, we all made our prayers about the purpose of the prayer and what we wanted. So, you know, that included all the young people that, that had been on the run, because I don't want to leave anybody out. And also, at the same time, the way that, that, that my teachings are, the way my dad used to talk about things, he says, you can't leave anybody out. He said, you, regardless of how bad people treat you, how whatever these not good things, evil things that they have had said to you, he says, you have to learn how to forget if you're gonna if you're gonna stand up for your people, regardless of what they say, what they do to you. You have to learn how to forgive and continue with your life in a good way. So that way, in the long run, things will be good for you. So I included everybody. You know, no matter you no matter what you know how people feel or what they think, it's okay. You know, the it's not really up to me. It's up to the creator of how he's gonna look at things and how they're gonna take care of things. And also, you know, I've included like the unborn, the newborn. You know, everybody, all the way up to the eldest person that's gonna be up there. That's gonna be that's gonna help support either with a prayer or either with a thought that things can be good. Myra yes. Smart, I'd like to thank you for being here. It's such an honor to hear your voice out there in Nevada and from the people uh, who live on the land, and also to Will Falk for keeping the good work up that you do. I'd like to thank both of you from this side of uh, Turtle Island, and uh, it's good to have you on First Voices Radio. Thank you again. You can also go to protectthackerpass.org to find out more. And Excuse me, can I... Can can I share something with you one more time? Sure, sure. Um, I want to thank uh, Will and the group that was out there that had started this. You know, I'm very, very thankful that I was able to get involved with what's going on. You know, thank you very much. Even though that I didn't get a chance to, to talk to you, I just met you that one, that one day when we were on that walk. So I want to thank you. Very appreciative of what you're doing for helping we're looking looking out for us on your part of things of whatever that you whatever that you have got going there, and hopefully Thank the you. creator can, you know, hopefully the creator can look at it from our point of view. Not not everybody is looking at the greens that's going to be rolling in. Not not everybody you know wants that. I have I have been told one time by my grandmother. I was just a young man about seven or eight year old, she said, hey, grandson, you know, come over here. You know, because she used to live like about 50 yards down away from where, where I live. So she asked me to come down there. She said, you think you can chop me up some wood? And I go, yeah, I can, I can do that. That's not a problem. So I went down there. And then when I got done chopping the wood, you know, we went into the house and she offered me coffee, offered me, you know, food. So she told me, she said, there's going to be a time he says, maybe one day that you're going to have to stand up for for your people. Maybe one day that there's going to come this time that, you know, people's going to offer you money. You know, the white man's going to come to you and they're going to offer you this money. They're going to offer you a certain amount of money for a piece of land. She said, I'm going to tell you now, don't forget this. He says, whatever that man offers you, whatever he offers, how much money, no matter how much it is, she said, don't take it. She said, you understand it. He says, you understand, you understand it because if you do that, he says, you're going to lose all of everything. He said, remember, remember where you sit and you pray. Remember where I sit and I pray. 
Remember where your your dad, your mother, you know your your relatives. Remember they sit on our mother earth when they pray. Don't forget that. Always remember that. So I, you know, I remembered all of that stuff. And then when it came to this, I was thinking, you know, there's some of these people. They say that that they follow their teachings, but to me, that you know that I see, they're not, they're not following their teachings because they do have the same uncle. Or their dad is my uncle, and my grandma is their grandma. So it makes it really hard for me to to say or be mean to anybody. But it is what it is, and I'm sorry that I have to choose what what I was told. I try to do my best to to follow my teachings, you know, to to be on the right side of things. And it makes me sad, you know, to see to see people. But it goes back again to my teachings. My my what my dad had said to me: you have to forgive them, pray for them. So that way they can, you know, make good decisions, right decisions for the people to where that we can be able to keep our land. And also one more thing that I was told by an elder one time, <clears throat> excuse me, he told me, he said, yeah, he, he was telling me a story. He said one time, long time ago, I guess there was this elder, they were invited to like a big dinner, like a big dinner. And this white man, he happened to be part of you know, they, they were the one that, you know, set up this dinner. So this elderly man, you know, he sat across from the white man. And, you know, they, the food was gathered. There was some singing, you know, while the food was being prepared. There was some singing going on. And then pretty soon, when, when everything was all done and a prayer was done for the food and, you know, for for the elders and for everybody, for the women and children and the warriors and everybody. Anyway, everybody sat down. They started to eat. So this white man, you know, he tried to sit there. This old man, this elderly Indian man, he was sitting there. He was eating and eating. And, you know, he was just, you know, enjoying the food, scarfing up the food. So this white man, you know, he took about two or three bites. He sit there and then kind of sit back in his chair and kind of roll around like, oh, God, you know, my my stomach. He said, oh, boy. He said, I can't do this. And then pretty soon that old man sat there. Then he got done eating. He grabbed the rag off of his, uh, off of the table. He wiped his mouth and he sat there and he looked at that across from him. He looked at that white man. And that white man goes, um, he said, hey, he said, you, you, you ate pretty good, huh, old man? He goes, yeah. And then he goes, um, he said, I wish I had your appetite. He said, uh, he said, wait a minute. He said, let me tell you one, let me tell you something, he told him. That elderly man told it, told it to the white man. He goes, let me tell you something. He said, you took away my land. You took away my fishing rights. You took away my hunting rights. You took away all of all of everything, the, the roots, the gathering from my land. He said, you sit there now, you tell me that you want my appetite. He said, what else, what else are you going to ask for next time? Oh. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of kind of comes to, you know, kind of comes to something like that. Yeah. Said, what else are you going to ask for next? So <laughs> I just wanted to share that. You know? well, Myra, <laughs> I thought thank that was, you. You know, I, you know, for an elderly guy to say that to this man, you know, I thought that was kind of, you know, yeah. kind of funny in a way, the way, the way he put it. Yeah, very ironic, too. Thank you for that balance, uh, Myron Smart. And it's an honor to have you once again. And I'll have to say time's up right now because we need to go on to our next guest. But thank you for being here, Myron, and welcome once again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And this is First Voices Radio. My name is Diokas and Ghost Tour Cinda. We'll be right back with our next guest. This is the Sundancer. Are you a dancer? 
That Sundancer 21, a single by the band Eagle and the Hawk out of Canada, released last year. This is First Voices Radio, and my name is Teokas and Ghost Horse, and 
I was just talking with an elder out there, and uh, I thank my next guest for his patience for being here. And uh, I'd like to bring up Hiroyuki Hamada, who is, uh, I'm interested in an article that he that he did. And this this article, the, the mecha- mechanism of an invisible hand, invisible cage, and invisible empire over humanity and nature, which is released in Dissident Voice on February 9th of this year. And I really wanted to uh, reach out to, to Hiroyuki and... Uh, find out you know, what, what's making him tick. And, and uh, I think a lot of people, Hiroyuki, are, are saying, are thinking the same things that you are talking about, but they, they don't want to say it. But now I, I want to, to look to this article um, about the whole society becoming a theater of absurdity. Uh, what made you think, um, basically, from your viewpoint, coming from Japan, that you are that this conversation does need to start, as you say in your last sentence, of this article. And what's perpetuating this, I would say, this, this insanity that we are maybe acknowledging or, or not acknowledging, I would say, um, about this article. Tell us a little bit more about your thoughts, Hiro Yuki, and welcome. Well, the, the, uh, the, um, I think the, uh, the starting point is uh, the fact that I'm, I'm an artist. And uh, uh, to me, uh, practicing, practicing art in the studio is about uh, looking at elements with honesty, uh, looking at elements to really feel what's going on, be part of it, and understand uh, the dynamics, the path I've been um, um, uh, coming along and uh, the context, my life, and all that, all those things. And uh, um, as I see things outside of the studio, it's really obvious that um, um, we're not really doing well. You know, the, just just when we look at the fact that the, uh, the there's a huge disparity of wealth um, and power, uh, which is unprecedented, and um, um, and in order to prop up the uh, this system of feudalistic hierarchy, uh, there's a lot of uh, deceptions. Uh, there, there are a lot of um, uh, mechanisms uh, uh, that are there to justify uh, what's going on. So, I with the article, I, I really wanted to lay out the uh, the background. Uh, of um, uh, what's going on today, and uh, I, I guess the best thing you know uh, for me to say is that people to <laughs> uh, really read the article, and um, there are a few uh, uh, um, links at the end uh, to uh, go into some of the other things I talked about as well, and um, um, yeah. Yes, you, you talked about the invisible cage of authoritarianism. It comes in the shape of a bottomless pyramid. And to me, that, that's talking about the economy, the sort of right. trickle-down economics that are out there. But also, you add to it a, a source of non, non-empathy, I would say. The pain of others becomes your gain. And that seems to be part of 
that safety net now, but that's, again, in the mental reality, and I would say the mental reality, as you say, dangerous imaginations of the kings and the queens, but really no one is seeing that because I think we're all thinking that someday we are going to be a king and, a, and or a queen. Right, right. It, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it really, you know, we really have to go back to the, uh, uh, how we came about, um, uh, the society built by the, uh, slave owning, uh, settler colonialists. And, um, uh, the, uh, the, the transformation of humanity cultivated by, um, uh, our organic social relations uh, uh, into um, something else, domesticated uh, imprisonment by the uh, those systems um, um, uh, extortion mechanism. Like if you have power and wealth, uh, you have access to institutions. Uh, the less you have, uh, you have less access to institutions and in which uh, conditions you uh, to the uh, uh, imperatives of the uh, system. So uh, we are locked into this uh, system, and you really can't talk about it because, you know, you, in order to talk about it, you really have to see it as exploitive system, which is working against uh, your interest. And uh, there's a huge amount of cognitive dissonance and uh, Stockholm syndrome and um, all those psychological elements um, are at work when we talk about this. It's it's really a difficult thing to even talk about because um, people shut down, you know. Yes, people do shut down, and I'm I'm thinking, what what is the cover up? Where who's not? questioning, excuse me, the, the cover-up of this, um, you know, since Biden's been elected, so everything's going to be okay now. Uh, the ruling class, as you say, promising a glorious future of artificial intelligence, green capitalism, genetic engineering, digitization, and financialization, if that's a word, if I barely could say it, is, you know, this. these are all busybody thought processes uh, keeping us away from what we really could be doing right now um, rather than going back to that reset button. Right. We, I mean, th th there is, uh, it, it's really interesting. There's a religious element to the, uh, uh, the system uh, we're forced to embrace. Um, and those things are the, uh, the religious principles. And uh, you really can't question it because uh, we, when we participate, it asks us, to uh, take a leap of faith, just as we are forced to um, um, pledge allegiance to the, the, the uh, religious institutions and uh, questioning um, their framework would um, questioning God. Basically, um, that's what's going on. We are forced to identify with the... Um, uh, the oppressor, and uh, this is a really, uh, again, it's a very hard to talk about. <laughs> it, it, it is, and I'm, I'm really, thank you for bringing this, this up, because we have to find that, not just a new narrative about how to talk about things, because that's still related to that um, 
mental reality that the Occidental mind brought over to the Western Hemisphere and spread throughout the whole world, that we have to think like them and accept their science and accept, accept their their government, accept their religion and how they treat the earth. This is where I come in. And, and your, 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 your art, as you were saying, is, is basically telling something else that is very foundational to the earth, foundational to human beings in this case. But when do you try to apply that art to what's going on in the world right now? Well, the, um, the, I think um, uh, I don't really um, um, specifically talk about uh, narratives and uh, 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 the conditions we are in uh, through my art. But um, I ultimately I see it. I see the trajectory as against uh, any kind of creativities, um, uh, any kind of uh, imaginations, because it forces you to live within the uh, framework of capitalism. And when that happens, there are things you can't talk about. There are things um, 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 that are compromised because your life is conditioned to the uh, imperatives, it's now it's no longer uh, unconditional uh, love, unconditional uh, creativity, um, unconditional connection to humanity and nature. It has to uh, create um, profit. It does. It does. When I think about this exploitation that's really going on underneath our very very feet and the the democrat democratic um, thought process that is applying is applied to any crisis i always think about you know why are countries lining up for democracy is is it because democracy as we know it is really hiding the guise or disguised as capitalism behind it um it's based on a hierarchical structure and, and anything that even now in these the states united states people seem to be kowtowing to the fact that, oh, that's socialism that everybody's being helped now. That's the democratic process. It could be, but yet when I think about how it's really the wrong kind of green, in a sense, that we are accepting what the mainstream has come forward with and the ideas of, well, this is the new green, and therefore this it's part of the great reset that we can get back to the great as you say, it's a great solution. Basically, it's another word for saying "make America great again." Don't you think? Right, 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 right. I mean, it, it's that's uh, we have that on the one side, and we have uh, built back better on the other side. So uh, it, there, we have two imperial political parties um, protecting the imperial framework and. Uh, it's really hard to talk about anything that goes um, beyond the framework. Uh, as soon as you do, you are labeled as uh, uh, a Trump supporter or you're labeled as a conspiracy theorist or whatever, um, 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 you know, the, the, the demeaning um, um, uh, narratives uh, uh starts to kick in and uh, and all these things are already provided packaged uh by the media so um it it's uh it, it deprives our thought process 
and uh, it deprives our relationship to actual um, uh, um, things that are uh, important to uh, who we are. Um, Hiroyuki Hamada, you know, when I think about these dynamics that we are trying to understand all the time, because a lot of artificial uh, intelligence is here, um, yet, as you say, that when I, when I think about in the, in the eventual, you know, art that you do, music, and even language should not have authority over it because art, art doesn't understand authority. And when I think about, uh, you know, the earth, earth doesn't have authority. And yet certain people, certain mindsets, certain socialisms, classisms, or governments think that they can actually control that spirit that you as an artist, myself as a musician, and even the earth try to control and package, as you say, over and over. And yet people aren't, aren't recognizing this mechanism, as you say, until we, either we're, over, you know, we're in it or kind of too late ideas here. Um, what do you feel in, in the closing statements? Because I want people to read this, this uh, article that you wrote, um, and I think it's very telling that you know, the dissident voice, we can read that and we say that's a leftist, but really it's, it's an honesty. The, the, the mechanism of invisible hand, invisible cage, invisible empire and over humanity and nature by Hiroyuki Hamada on February 9th. And any closing statements to, I know we, we could have spent well, a whole hour on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, um, it, the important thing, I think, uh, one thing I really have to say is that we still have a lot of things to learn from Marxism. We have a lot of things to learn from the fact that our social relationships are colonized by turning our organic relations into uh, wage labor. And when that process is used by powerful uh, entities, they can domesticate people. And what's going on with digitalization uh, is another step into uh, domestication. It allows people with power to hard people into um, this situation uh, where reality is constructed according to the interests of the people who are in charge, and uh, we are uh, forced to fight among ourselves instead of resisting and building uh, the system that works for us. So um, um, I did try to uh, write it in words, uh, you know, anybody can understand. And I also tried to put down some of the mechanisms that traps us, deceives us. So um, I really uh, want people to read, and uh, I would love to hear uh, what people think about it too. too. So, and thank you for uh, having me here. Thank you so much. Thank you, HiroyukiHamada.com. H i r o u. Excuse me. H i r o y u k i h a m a d a. dot com to find this this article. And there's so much in it. Thank you again, Hiroyuki, for being here on First Voices Radio.
Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. And this is First Voices Radio again, and my name is Teokasen Ghostor. So I'd like to thank you for being here and listening to this, and uh, we'll see you next week. And be well, be good, be safe, and doksha ake watching telo.